ninth episode of Mets Mafia. I'm very glad to have another episode here. I'm your host, CJ Owens. Uh, we have Brian Cunningham, Greg Walsh as well. Very happy to get to another episode and just dive into more, some more Mets baseball. So I'll throw it over to Cunningham and let him introduce himself. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, the first half is over. Mets were representing at the All-Star break. It was a fun week to watch. Uh, Pete put on a show. It was good to see Taiwan get out there. Just excited to uh, recap the first half and look forward to the second half. We are back. It's been a minute. Let's talk our Mets. Big first half. We still got a lead on the division. And the NL East, we're coming for it, boys. Absolutely, yep. Like we said, all very happy to be back. Um, did have a little hiatus there, but uh, had to went to a couple Mets games. The Mets have been rolling a little bit, uh, kind of up and down first half, but we still are in first place, so no complaints there. And I think uh, we'll just go right into the first half recap. So, um, like we said, it was kind of up and down. Um, so we're going to go like a surprise disappointment thing. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me um, when he played was definitely Greg's guy, Brandon Nimmo. Uh, he just went in, like, as he's come back off the IL, he's just really changed the lineup, um, setting the table at the top. And really things that we didn't um, – not that we didn't expect him uh, to do that thing because that's what he's great at is setting the table and such, um, but not to this level. He's really swung the bat well and such and just really done a great job, and I'm really kind of surprised to see that. So I'm very interested to see what you guys have to say as well, who you're surprised, um, or just anything that surprised you in the first half. Yeah, I definitely love Nimmo. I love that pick. I mean, I would definitely go with him. He definitely could have played a little bit more, but when he's played, he makes a difference for the Mets lineup, that's for sure. I would say my biggest surprise, though, is Taiwan Walker. Uh, grabbing the all-star nod, he has like a 1.03 whip, and he's got a 2.5 ERA. I thought he was going to be good, but I didn't think he was going to be this good. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, I'd say my biggest surprise is I got like one good and one bad. The good, I'd say he's definitely been the bench mob. I mean, I, I loved all the moves we made in the offseason. We got a lot of veterans to fill the bench, but I think a lot of them, they didn't outperform statistically, but they came up in big spots and really got us to where we are when we battled all those injuries throughout the year. And my, my bad surprise that I'm not too happy about has been Michael Conforto. I know he was banged up, but He's been extremely underwhelming. Did not expect that in a year where it's a contract year for him. And that has probably been the biggest surprise for me. I thought we'd be seeing a lot more from him. Yeah, I agree. Those are great points there. The bench mob has been great. Like Coney said, Taiwan Walker, probably the signing of the offseason for us. Um, you know, Bowers out um, with the scandal he's got now. And Taiwan pitches himself into the all-star game and just really has done a great job. So that's something that really has helped out the team. And then just speaking about uh, the next thing we were going to talk about was disappointments. So that kind of leads in like what Greg said, uh, Michael Conforto has definitely been the biggest appointment for me so far. Um, so I don't really want to get into that because Greg hit it already. But so I'm going to throw another name out there. Um, not sure if many remember him now, but uh, Dylan Batances, uh, one appearance um, and he's done. He's not going to put on a Mets uniform anymore. Uh, went out on that rehab assignment and got hurt again. So he's done and we won't see him anymore. So that was kind of a bust signing for Brody Van Wagenen. So Greg stole my thunder, so I'll throw a little curveball in there with uh, Dylan Batances. Yeah, I mean, that guy's actually making a decent amount of money, too. He made out like a bandit. He just stole his money, and he just – I mean, I saw he went out on a rehab assignment, but I don't see the need for him, honestly, on our team. He could continue to do whatever he's doing. He's a big oh, bust. No, he got hurt again. He's done. He's done. Now he's he done for the whole year? Yeah, he yeah, got hurt again. 
Yep, he's done. Mets contract, nothing. We got basically nothing out of him. Like you said, I'm pretty sure it was two years, $20 million to a player option. I think it was 12 the first, eight the second, something along those lines in that uh, ballpark. So, yeah, that definitely was a bust. Money that could have been used elsewhere on much better relievers. So, bad job, yeah, there, Brody, there. That's exactly it, CJ. I was just going to say that. That was a year, too, and there was a lot of relief pitchers that were available. Like, we could have made a push at Liam Hendricks instead. And, you know, the White Sox got him, and look at how lights out he's been for them. Instead, we go and we thought, oh, wow, two years flyer on, on Batances. This might be a decent deal, and the guy barely even pitched for us. And when he did, he was terrible. Just shows the in- inadequacy of Brody as a GM and how poor some of the decisions he made were. It was just a failed experiment with Brody. I'm going to throw another name out at you guys now for another disappointment. And it's, I guess it's been a little tough on the guy, but David Peterson, I was definitely expecting more out of him this year. And now he's hurt, unfortunately, but when he was healthy, he started to hit a little bit of a stride at the end, but he could never get going for the Mets. He was the one guy in the rotation. Even we had like Lucchese stepping up at times and now we got Miguel stepping up. He was the one guy who could never get going. Yeah, you mentioned McGill. I feel like we have to show him a uh, surprise because he's been great. You know, honestly, he hasn't really given us the length, but he's gone out there and definitely pitched well. Um, for a guy that's been called up from the low minors, really just thrown into the fire there, he definitely has done an admirable job. Um, so that is good to see. But, yeah, the back half of the rotation has kind of been a disappointment. Like you said, Peterson, Lucchese, now they're both hurt. Um, just injuries and whatnot there kind of really has been uh, – one of the hiccups in the season, really just trying to find a fifth guy to get out there every day um, outside of Stroman, uh, Walker, and DeGrom. And you know that DeGrom has missed some time. So, so really Stroman and uh, Walker have been the mainstays in that rotation. So finding um, really two other guys to round it out kind of has been a struggle as well. So hopefully we can piece that together for the rest of the season. Someone who I've been – I mean, I guess it's more of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately thing. guy who's been a little disappointment recently has been uh... – Trevor May, I mean, he, he came in beginning of the year when, you know, we saw some stuff he was doing all right, but I, I mean, and I'm a big Trevor May fan, but I, he, I haven't been seeing a whole lot of lights out stuff from him. He's been a little shaky, gets himself into trouble. He hasn't really been the guy I was expecting to come in and be a seventh, eighth inning guy. He's not really like, makes you a little worried when he gets out there at times. Yeah, I agree. It's like, as of late, I still have confidence in Trevor May, but I agree. He's been a little shaky and so has uh, Mickey Castro. As of late, he's been wild ever since the whole sticky stuff scandal came out. Seems like Castro lost a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Those are two guys in the bullpen that really kind of have struggled lately. Um, so hopefully they turn around. I think I have more confidence in May um, than Castro just because I think he has more of a track record of uh, pitching well. Miggy kind of, you know, has been that four, um, around four ERA reliever. So um, I think that might be just a fallback to earth for him there um but i think we'll just transition there to the second half i think we kind of covered first half uh we did have a bunch of episodes there um i know we missed a little bit but we didn't want to um get too much into the first half kind of want to preview the second half and just go right ahead so i'll let uh Cunny start it off without a uh, with his breakout player or some predictions for the second half breakout player for the second half i mean i'm wishing upon a star here but i gotta say Lindor, man I think we started to see him get a little bit of his swagger back towards the last like month, month and a half of the first half. And he just strikes you as a player who can't stay quiet for a whole season. You feel like he's just going to erupt eventually, starting to hit for more power. And I, I just feel like in order for the Mets to win and win this division, they need him to be the breakout guy. 
My prediction, second half breakouts definitely got to be Pete Alonzo. After the show he just put on the home run derby, just representing the Mets, having the time of his life, bumping Mob Deep and Nas and all the New York rappers. He was just having a good time out there and showing the showing the whole league that he is one of the premier power hitters in this in the MLB. And I think that might have woken him up a little bit. And he he hasn't been playing great. He hasn't been playing bad. But I think we're going to see a little bit more 2019 Pete in the second half. I agree. Those are both uh, big names that we definitely need to break out. So those are great points there. Lindor kind of has come around, like you said, hitting for more power. Um, I was at the game the other night when he hit the grand slam, the place erupted. So um, love to see him kind of hit his stride and such. Pete, like you said, Greg hitting a home run derby, hitting absolute bombs, uh, 500, 500 feet with that last row there at Coors Field. Um, so I think that definitely will help him hit his stride. He's feeling confident. Um and I feel like that's kind of what they need, just kind of get their confidence back. But uh, my breakout player, you guys did have two great names. Uh, I'm going to go with Dom. Uh, I think Dom kind of feel like uh, with the trade deadline looming and stuff like that, there might be a need for an uh, upgrade at some position, stuff like that. I feel like Dom could kind of feel the heat a little bit. Um, not that I think that he'll get traded or replaced, uh, but to just maybe upgrades at other positions kind of puts his playing time in jeopardy. So I think that he'll turn it around and uh, really start to – uh, hit the cover off the ball a little bit there. I do think we're going to see a little bit more from McNeil too in the second half. I know you guys know I'm a big, big proponent of McNeil, but he was just starting to get hot at the end of the first half, which was great to see. He got his average back up there a little bit. You know, I wasn't too thrilled to see that the first thing he did this all-star break was go to Foxwoods and playing a lot of golf. I don't want to be seeing that five iron swing back that I want to see that line drive swing that he is. But I think he's another guy that's going to – I think the whole offense is going to start to pick it up. It, it, we've been saying it all year. We're 87 games in. we got a lot of baseball to play, and it, it can't go on forever in 162. Sooner or later, the bats have got to break out. And we've seen some flashes, but we got to see it on a more consistent basis. Yeah, I do think McNeil is definitely going to wake up. I think if he doesn't wake up, he's going to drive himself crazy. And he's a big golf fan. Not surprised at all that he's playing golf. But also a name that hasn't been around much the first half is J.D. Davis. I mean, barring what they do at the trade deadline, looks like they're targeting a third baseman. Obviously, that would cost him playing time. But if he comes back up, I saw he went four for six. I think it was last night during his rehab assignment. He, he hits. Whenever he's up, he'll hit. And I feel like he could be a big boost to the offense as well. Yeah, I've been saying – I know we talk a lot on the side about guys we're ready to trade, and I definitely have been throwing J.D.'s name around as a guy I want to trade. But J.D. has been good to us for, old, for a while now, in 19 and 20, and he's always been an important hitter for us. Like Cunny said, he's been looking good in his rehab. We, we are missing his bat, his energy. He's a good team guy. But, you know, he could be a trade chip. I just think with the lineup that we have, third base is the one spot where, you know, we, we can upgrade because we can't really upgrade a lot of other spots. We got to ride with those guys. And that just it, – it might leave him as the odd man out. I know he's got Johnny V down his neck, too, who's been playing good ball. That And, you know, it's been a little bit of a, a revolving door. Giorme getting time there, too. It just – if the Mets are serious about making a push, I think that's the spot where we can go out and get a serious bat who's going to take us to the next level with the offense. Yeah, honestly, I think, uh, Greg, you kind of hit it there uh, since we are talking about – um. Guys, maybe trade targets and such. I think uh, we'll just kind of transition to that because that was one of the things we did want to hit. Um, guys with the trade deadline looming um, soon, kind of guys that we'd be looking for, you know, names like Chris Bryant, um, Adam Frazier has been thrown around, um, Nick Cassianos. I uh, don't know if he's available or not. That's a name we've seen 
um, kind of less than the others, but his name has been out there. Um, Josh Donaldson as well. Um, he's got a big contract. So what do you guys think about uh, those trade targets and who are you kind of looking to get there at that trade deadline? It's definitely going to be a little bit of a tricky deadline because the guy to get there, I think, is Chris Bryant. But you don't want to send a good prospect for a rental. if You you want to be sure that he's going to re-sign because that's just a risky ball game right there. A guy I think makes a lot of sense is uh, Donaldson. The Twins, I could see the Mets taking on his contract. He's a power righty bat. And uh, I could also see maybe like another pitcher being paired with him. Twins are in complete sell mode. I just think Bryant would be a way tougher deal to make than Donaldson. I agree, Cunny. I mean, Bryant, I know another name that's been being thrown around possible trades because he's a free agent is Trevor Story. I mean, I don't, I mean, he would take a toll too. him and him and KB are those types of guys where they're rentals, but you don't want to give up too, too much for them. But anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge Josh Donaldson fan. There's nothing I would love to see more than to see him playing third for the Mets the rest of this year. His contract's big. Who knows? Maybe they can figure something out. Uh, I know there's rumors for a Donaldson Berrios package. I'm not as crazy about that because I think when you add Berrios in there, you have to bolster the deal and throw a lot more in. And it's almost going to be the same type of value you're going to have to trade for a story or, or a KB. So if we can maybe just get a Donaldson, I'd be thrilled. But I think Cunny's right. We also do need another arm of some sorts. I know there's a bunch on the market uh, there too. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, KB, like you said, I think his price is uh, going to be high. I wouldn't trade a top prospect for a rental um, either, like you guys said. And honestly, even if we did trade for KB, I'm kind of, I honestly don't know if I'd want to resign him anyway, to be honest. Like we already got that money um, locked up in Lindor and such like, KB is going to be pushing 30s. He's going to want a big deal that runs for five, six years. Like, are we really want to pay another guy in his mid-30s, like when we have kind of like a young roster now? So I'd kind of like stay away from that in general type thing. So like you said, Josh Donaldson, um, I guess he wouldn't cost as much. He's not going to get a big deal after that. So I think that is a good point, um, something I'd more key on. And uh, like you said, the uh, an arm, definitely need to get an arm. Um, I think it's going to be probably a uh, back-end starter because that just has been um, so kind of, like you said, a revolving door, kind of like you said, at third base. Um, but the starting pitching has been kind of even worse in that uh, aspect. We have guys like openers going out there all the time. So um, that's been tough. I know we do have Syndergaard and Carrasco hopefully coming back, uh, but I think they will address that something there. And honestly, another lefty in the bullpen would be great because – Aaron Loop has done a fantastic job, but just one lefty is not going to do it in the postseason and such. So hopefully they get another guy that they can throw in there. Yeah, all good points, CJ. I just think Syndergaard, even if he comes back, you're just that's just too risky. They're definitely, I think, going to address the arms now with the Peterson injury. I think once David Peterson went down, that was almost that almost locked it up that they're going to go after an arm. And I'm just thinking back to the beginning of the season when they traded for Lindor and Carrasco. They got the two stars and one deal from the Indians. I wonder if they take that same approach, Greg, like you said, with Berrios. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what CJ said. I think we need a lefty reliever. I'd like to see them bolster someone in the pen, maybe like a Taylor Rogers. I know he just got named to the All-Star game, so his price might be higher than it was a couple months ago. But uh, a back-end starter is key. I've, I've kind of lost hope on Carrasco. I know he's been coming – he's been fighting his way back, but there's always some – little setback that keeps pushing him back. Cindergaard with the injuries, I almost don't even want to rush him and then worry about maybe bringing him back for one year next year. And if he does come back, I'd rather just keep him in the pen for the rest of this year. 
no need to push him to be a starter. So we definitely need to address that. A guy that can fill the rest of the year in a four or five starter role. But I don't know. I just think we need that bat. Can't hurt when we get to the playoffs and we start. If we face the Padres, the Dodgers, we need to match their lineup. I think we're close, but we haven't been performing like it. So we need all hands on deck when it comes to that. The pitching's been working. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, I think Taylor Rogers is a great name that you brought up. I think he'd be a fantastic fit in that bullpen. Um, I think we are kind of a bat and an arm away, kind of like an arm, kind of both aspects. I don't think that I think our top three can really go out there and um, win us any series for sure. Um, so I don't think that's really a big need come playoffs. Should we get there and such if we continue to roll? Um, but I think that bullpen arm is definitely something that we do need um, if we're going to make a real playoff push. And like you said, another impact bat that can go in there and uh, kind of wake these guys up because some of them are underperforming. Majority of them are, and uh, we need some, we need better out of that lineup. So I think a uh, big impact bat in there, that's not going to cost too much, but you know, uh, it's going to get the job done. Like you said, Donaldson, um, I heard Nelson Cruz, we got really no place to put him, uh, but like a big right-handed bat like that, like that, I think that'd be big for this lineup. So. Definitely need a right-handed bat. That's, that's key. Cause we got all the lefties. Um, and going back on something you said earlier, CJ, I know you said you're hesitant about maybe, you know, bringing in KB and then wanting to sign him. But the way I look at that is like, obviously he hasn't performed for it. So we might not be paying him the money he's going to get, but we were probably already looking to spend that money on Conforto as it is after this year. So why not? Yeah. Maybe we don't trade for a guy and then re-sign him. But I think when it comes free agency at the end of this year, we're going to be looking to get a guy to fill that the money we were going to spend on Conforto, whether it is Conforto, or whether it is a Chris Bryant, Castellanos, I think the Mets are going to be ready to splurge in the offseason there and might as well go and spend that money. Uh, I think they, they were prepared for it, so I think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a new era, Mets, that's for sure. I agree, Greg. I think the Mets will be willing to spend the extra extra money, and they will offer contracts out. Just because realistically, if we take on Donaldson, he's got a big tra- uh, contract in Excel going into extensions with Syndergaard and with Conforto. Either way, the money's going to be up there for the Mets. Just got to hope Uncle Steve empties his pockets. Yeah, What's Greg, Donaldson's contract look like? Uh, I can pull it up for you in a second. But uh, that is something I didn't take into account, Greg. I think that is a good point you put there that even if we don't, uh, like you said, bring Chris Bryan in, we're going to need to address – the outfield anyway if we don't bring um Conforto back so that is a good point it's something I didn't take into account so that money will be spent um there anyway in his contract let me see Josh Dalton just pulling it up right now quickly on Conforto I just think with the way he's playing I mean it sucks for the Mets right now results wise but we were talking about it earlier us three we were saying maybe he'll accept the qualifying offer now he might take a pay cut yeah Scott Boris with his GM um his agent and such, uh, either that qualifying offer or some sort of deal with opt-out that's creative um, where he gets some type of money still there. Um, but here's Josh Johnson's contract. He signed until 2024, um, his 38-year-old season, and he's making $20 million, $21 million next year, this year, the next two years, and then $16 million in 2024. So he's definitely owed some money. So uh, I don't know. He's kind of on his way out too, so. I don't know how you guys feel about that. but if we were to make that deal, we'd have to be praying for a universal DH even more than we were going into this year because 
if we if we were to trade for him and he was here till his age 40 41 like season that that's he just I don't know how much longer he can play the field he still plays a decent 3b but when he gets up to that age I don't know if he'll quite be able to I think he's just honestly the, the trade market right now there's not that big of a standout guy like Chris Bryan is but like we said that's just not really realistic right now for the Mets but Donaldson is a move you make if you feel you are that move away from being a World Series contender. And I feel like that's the Mets position. That's the position they're in. And Steve, in his first year owning the team, I won't be surprised to see them be buyers at the deadline. Yeah, I definitely uh, anticipate them to be buyers as well. And we'll see uh, as we get closer to the deadline what kind of uh, what teams fall out of the race, kind of, you know. Uh, maybe the Nationals fall out. I mean, highly unlikely we get a trade with them. Um, but maybe the athletics out in the AL West, maybe they fall out of the race a little bit. Um, some of the other I mean, teams. we could go and fleece the Pirates. They seem to always get fleeced. I'm not opposed to either one of those guys on the block over there, Reynolds or Frazier. I mean, we don't really have a spot for Reynolds, but I wouldn't be opposed to fleecing them if it's value-wise. That's the best deal. I would take Frazier in a heartbeat. I, I think Reynolds is a versatile guy. I think he plays more than just the outfield. If, I, if I'm correct, I think he plays a little 2B also. So, I mean, can't hurt to bring in a utility guy like that, too, who's, you know, I guess I, I didn't think he should have been an all-star, but playing at an all-star caliber. Yeah, I agree. I think Frazier's kind of redundant. Um, I mean, he kind of is what Jeff McNeil, what we thought Jeff McNeil would be, kind of that slap hitter, just kind of hit everything wherever it's pitched um, type thing. We know Jeff has kind of tried to hit for more power this year. Um, but he seems to be turning around a little bit, kind of going back to his old school approach, hopefully. Um, but yeah, Adam Frazier kind of seems redundant there to me a little bit. I would like uh, Reynolds, like you said, I think he is versatile, can play some to be. He's mostly an outfield there where we are kind of crowded. Um, but like I said, switch hitter like that. Um, I know Jose Ramirez, we just got the Indians before, but um, something like that, the guy, that real power, but like some sneaky name like that, like we didn't mention Jose Ramirez, he would be a real game changer um, and something I would pay a high price for. Oh, that's my number one. I mean, that's a, that's a pipe dream right there. If we could take Ramirez and Lindor from the Indians, I mean, those are two guys that have deep off-run experience together. That's like, that would be the steal of the year. I think the Mets should send, I wouldn't, that would definitely be my biggest offer for any of the players. If J-Ram gets traded to a playoff contending team, I that will definitely take them to the next level, no doubt about it. I just can't see the Indians making two trades in one year with us for their two star players. Uh, I mean, it would be incredible. Like you said, it's a pipe dream. J-Ram can play at an MVP caliber at his best, and he's having a good year, but I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, probably a pipe dream, like Connie said. Uh, but you know what is nice to dream? So kind of, I just wanted to, uh, we kind of did go into trades there, so I just um, wanted to kind of go into the draft. So one of the things I want to say about the draft, obviously we got Kumar Rocker, the right-hand pitcher from Vanderbilt, had a 19 um strikeout no hitter against Duke uh, back in his freshman season so he's been in the national spotlight and such um, but something that I want to talk, uh, talk about a little bit MLB draft they don't allow trades and stuff like that um, so you know the Mets kind of would have been in prime position to trade like that rocker pick um, for a guy like Chris Bryant or maybe Jose Ramirez I know that's definitely a guy they'd probably be interested in something like that um, so what are you guys' thoughts about that? that? Do you think the MLB should allow the, them to trade draft picks? Uh, the thought was back in the day why they didn't do it is because it seems like the Yankees would just trade all their first-round picks all the time to the teams that didn't care and stack up on all the uh, 
big money players, but now with the uh, luxury tax and such, it's not really like that. So what do you, what are you guys thoughts about that? Yeah, I say hell no on trading draft picks in baseball because you could just take it, like you said, the Yankees and from 17 to 19, when they're as good as they were and as young as they were, they could have traded what their rounds three, two through six rounds to a team for their best player. And then maybe with some other prospects and then they get a, a stud and it just would become so lopsided. I, I think it's a good move by the MLB to not allow traffic trading. Yeah, I agree with Greg because I feel like it would be, it would definitely create lopsided leagues because like the leagues are already kind of lopsided as it is. I feel like that would definitely put over the top. But CJ, I agree with you because the MLB draft, I'll be honest with you, I sit down and watch the NFL draft, but when it comes to MLB draft, I'll tune in here and there. But I don't sit down and watch it. It's kind of boring. It would be kind of cool to see some life added to it because I feel like most baseball fans don't sit down and watch the MLB draft. You just check out your players that you drafted after it happened. Yeah, no, I agree. The MLB draft definitely needs uh, to add some spice to it. I think they did a better job this year um, broadcasting on ESPN and such. I think it was much better um, than years prior, uh, but still definitely work to be done there. I heard it got a lot of hate this year, too, because it was, uh, I think, at like 7 p.m. or 6 p.m. on a Sunday night going on in the middle of the uh, NBA finals and like a lot of people were just hating on the, a lot of the decisions the MLB has been making, you know, they're not wrong about most, but I don't think that really had any, it did, it mattered because no one, like you said, no one sits down to watch the MLB draft. No one knows who 90% of the guys are that are getting drafted. Half of them are from high school anyway. You know, it's cool to see your team picking and read up on the bios of the guys. But I, I know for sure after I saw that rocker pick, which I was thrilled about, I was jumping hyped, but I did not follow it as in depth. Once they had a couple rounds of selections, I read up a little bit on some of the guys, but it's baseball. They're going to be up in the league in plenty of years. You'll have plenty of time to figure out who they are. Yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, rocker really, um, there was some chatter um, leading up to the draft that he might get to 10. I remember putting in the group chat, I was like, oh, we might uh, get Kumara 10. He might fall to us. Um, and he did, you know, there was some spotty uh, velocity, um, times with him, big workload um, at Vanderbilt, has pitched a lot. Um, so those are things that contribute to his fall. Also, he was going to ask for above the slot, which the Mets did go out and pay for him, so they did sign him. Um, but, yeah, if he uh, picks up his thing, cleans up the delivery a little bit, gets a third pitch, he's going to be a home run, and he's already kind of polished. So he uh, could be up here um, sooner than you think, like you said, Greg, sooner than that four years. So that'd be good there. And uh, one of the things I did want to hit, um, Greg was talking about it uh, before in the later rounds, they did go more college guys, uh, which kind of went against what we did with the previous regime and uh, Brody. Uh, Brody did go a lot of college guys early, like the safer picks or guys that he knew he could sign for at the slot value or below to get those um, higher prospects uh, that would get signed above the slot late. And then we kind of did reverse this year. So what do you guys think about that? I like the strategy we took this year. I just love our first pick. I feel like the first pick was a lock. We had to make it. Kumar Rocker. The Mets have a good history of developing pitchers. And like you said, CJ, this guy's already pretty polished. And he's going to be up soon, which I think is great because right now the Mets have a team that is pretty damn good. And you're going to be maybe playing some playoff baseball in the next couple of years. And just drafting a guy that could help impact that sooner rather than later is huge. And I do like the new strategy because I also – so that we just addressed arms right off the bat. We did three arms in a row because we have good positional prospects within our organization, Alvarez, Beatty, uh, Vientos, Crow Armstrong. And uh, I just feel like the arms need a little more addressing. And 
I trust in Sandy Alderson to get the job done. I think he's a solid GM. Yeah, I completely agree, Connie. I mean, Kumar is a stud. I'm, I was thrilled, like I said. I mean, he's built like Taiwan Walker. He's a big dude, which is which is good to see. You know, you can't teach the size, and that's always good to have. But I like how they address the arms because, yeah, they, all they really had was Matt Allen as their top guy, and, you know, they got JT Ginn. But after that, there's really not too much. And drafting Rocker, drafting two more uh, pitching prospects, it allows you now when the trade deadline comes to actually have – more arms to maybe deal in the prospects uh, and you're not just trading position players because some teams are obviously going to want an arm maybe in, in place and we didn't have too many we're not we're not trading Matt Allen I mean maybe JT again will be in the question deal now that we got rocker but it, it gives us a little bit more possibilities to do with that yeah I agree that a rocker pick does give us some flexibility there um I don't think Allen's going because he did just have that Tommy John um I don't think they're going to give up on Ginn either um, the reports after his Tommy John that he had Tommy John last year when they drafted him. So that's uh, why he's been able, uh, why they were able to get him in the second round or third round, I think, but I'm pretty sure it was the second. Um, and they said his slider, his spin rate on that is ridiculous. So uh, he has looked good. Um, so I don't know if either of them will go, but like you said, give us other options there as well. And I know you mentioned uh, Kumar Rocker, a build like Taiwan Walker. We got, do got to give some love to Taiwan on his first All-Star game appearance. Um, good for him. Did give up that home run to Zanino. Um, the NL did lose, but, you know, it was an exciting game. Good for Taiwan to get out there first first time. Vladdy lit it up. Uh, but good to see baseball's young stars out there in Colorado. It was a good show uh, all around. And Pete with the home run derby, of course. Yeah, while we're <clears throat> excuse me, while we're on the All Star Game topic, I want to throw out. I thought our boy Edwin Diaz should have been in that game, but uh, very happy to see Taiwan Walker there. And honestly, it was good for the league to see how much of a steal he was because I feel like even though how good he's been, it's been a little under the radar. But now that he was at the All Star Game, everyone sees how dangerous that Mets rotation is. I agree. I think Edwin should have been a reliever, but unfortunately, he's definitely right now fourth out of the NL relievers and I think they only bring in three uh, because I think or maybe four and uh, but haters is hater doing what he's been doing this year Melanson's having a great year and then you got um who am I blank and who's the last one um Kimbrel Kimbrel's been having an amazing year who's probably going to be a hot commodity at the deadline so as much as I think Edwin deserved it I think those guys just been having a better year this wasn't a spot for him unfortunately yeah I agree it was tough uh Tough miss out there for Edwin. I know uh, Liam Hendricks, we mentioned him before, a uh, guy we could have signed instead of Dylan Batances. He got that, uh, closed it out there with the save. Um, so he looked good there, threw a knuckleball, put it on Pitching Ninja. If they, uh, they asked everybody to donate $20, I think it's believed to an animal charity or something like that. But he did throw a knuckleball in there last night. I think it was 84 miles per hour. So he, he really slung that bad boy in there. But uh, good for Liam Hendricks with the charity and such. And, you know, great reliever from Australia. Could have had him over Betances. How funny was that last night when they tried to mic him up and then the, he, like, was ripping at the thing. He's freaking out. He's yelling, God damn it. I thought that was the biggest failed experiment the MLB has tried to do with the hot mics. I like them. I think they're cool when they're in the field. It's good when they're at bat, but that was the worst situation you could have done to try it with a pitcher when it's the bottom of the ninth in a save situation. It's just just such a terrible move. Even the at-bats, half the time the guys are just leaving Joe Buck out to dry. Like he was just talking to himself most of the time. It was honestly kind of hysterical. 
Like, I remember Tatis got out, he got angry, and Buck was asking, like, five questions in a row. He just wasn't responding. Ozzy yeah. Albies was good with it. Ozzy had some entertaining stuff to do with it. But, again, it's – I mean, yeah, it's the All-Star game and it's casual, but these guys were out there playing a baseball game. They're not trying to have a conversation with Joe Buck. Absolutely. Imagine hitting a nice uh, little pop-out, two-hopper uh, two to short, and uh, Joe Buck's like, oh, what would you see there? What's going on? It's like, uh, Joe, I'm about to rip this mic out, brother, please. All right, just going to transition into a different topic here. Just going to kind of do a rundown of how the division looks um, in the all-star break here. We got the Mets in first place, our lovable Mets, 47 and 40. Uh, got a three-and-a-half game lead on the 44 and 44 Philadelphia Phillies. The Braves sit at 44-45. Nationals, 42 and 47. And then we got the Marlins in the cellar, 39 and 50. So we kind of just wanted to dive into that. Um I think obviously the Phillies are our biggest threat in the division right now. Um, they could be players in the trade deadline. They do have a lot of sal- um, a lot of salary, so it's not sure if uh, how much they're willing to put on. But Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper are very close friends, so who knows? Maybe he's pushing for that kind of deal. The Phillies don't have much in terms of prospects or anything like that, but uh, who knows? The team is desperate. They are paying at a lot of payrolls, so. Um, they, they either need to go over it or they need to sell. So uh, I think the Phillies are definitely going to be aggressive at the deadline as well. I think they are our biggest threat. Acuna out with ACL, horrible. Um, so what do you guys think? I agree. I think the Phillies should be our biggest threat. I agree they'll be active at the deadline because they've been trying to win now for a couple of years. Ever since acquiring Bryce Harper, they've been in win mode and they just haven't won. So I definitely think with the division being close right now, since the Mets kept it kind of close, you know, the Mets had an opportunity to expand that division lead, but it still sits at three and a half. I think the Phillies will make a move to uh, make the division pretty competitive, but the Braves, Acuna is an MVP candidate. It sucks to lose him, but I do think the Braves will hang around. I feel like the Braves are going to be around probably till the very end. I think Freddie Freeman could put the team on his back and Ozzy Albies and Coe are good enough supporting cast. I think the Nationals, I just don't see it from them this year. Their injury problems, now Schwarber's down. Schwarber is the only reason really why they're still afloat. And, yeah, I think the Marlins are out of it. I was a little bit more concerned about the Nats, I'd say, like a month ago. They had a, a pretty tough end of June, beginning of July. That's put them in a bit of a hole. You know, their pitching always will keep them in it. They have some bats, but. And, you know, that's this is kind of what they did in 19, but they were not this far back, I think, at that point. So I don't really worry about them as much. The Braves, I mean, something about the Braves have just always seemed like a threat, maybe because they've won the last three years in a row. But, you know, the Acuna injury, it just sucks for baseball. You really hate to see it, even as Mets fans. I know we even we were really upset when that happened. But, you know, the Braves have kind of had a black cloud over their over their heads this last year, you know, with Ozuna being a piece of shit, you know, with everything that happened with him. You know, Soroka tore his Achilles. He was battling back. He popped the same Achilles again. And now the Acuna injury. It's just, I almost feel bad for them at this point. But, you know, the Phillies are definitely a threat. I think I've thought for a couple of years now their offense is pretty good. You know, they got Zach Wheeler, which hurts, pitching like a Cy Younger if it wasn't for Jacob DeGrom. But their bullpen will always be the death of them. But, you know, what's what's a funny little stat about the Marlins they're 11 games under 500 and their run differential is like plus 17. It just makes no sense in the world. And they have some nice young starting pitchers, but I don't, I don't know why they can't figure it out. I mean, I'm glad they can't, but they've always just been a thorn in the Mets side. They're always a problem. 
I agree. Those are good points. Um, like you said, I think I personally think the Braves are kind of a little further away than we think, just because the outfield is stretched so thin now. I know you mentioned Ozuna being a scumbag and then Acuna getting hurt with that horrible injury. Um, those are two outfield starters. You know, Patchy, they thought was going to be out there too. He kind of fumbled the bag and uh, it hasn't been hitting well. Uh, so they sent him down, has not been hitting well in AAA either. Um, from what I've read. So, you know, they're kind of trying to piece it together in the outfield there right now. Um, so I think the Braves kind of, uh, unless they make several big moves, I think they are kind of a little bit away. But the Phillies, like you said, Zach Wheeler pitching like a Cy Young. Um, we can thank the Wilpons for that. And I wanted to pony up and give him some money. But uh, yeah, he went to NLE's rival and he's absolutely shoving it. Uh, going out there, he's not really walking anybody anymore. Um, he's durable, going long into starts, you know, and just throwing lots of strikes and filling up the zone with his nasty stuff, man. So uh, good for Zach Wheeler doing his thing in Philadelphia, hopefully not against the Mets or in crunch time. But, um, yeah, I think I agree with agree for the most part. The Phillies are the biggest threat there. So hopefully uh, we can get some moves, separate ourselves from the pack, and really just kind of run away with this thing come the dog days in August and September. The one thing I give the Braves and the reason why I give them a little bit of credit is because of their starting pitching. I think they do have just – they still have good starting pitching. I think they have three to four starters that, honestly, they could beat you any day. And you saw what happened with the Mets in the first half. We were very uh, spread thin too, but our pitchers kept us in it. Our top three rotation really stepped up and held down the fort. I don't think they'll make any noise this year, but I definitely think they'll hang around. I think it will be Mets, Phillies, Braves. That's just – I think it's going to come down to that come September. Yeah, Braves are just a well-run ball club. Like you said, they got three arms. Chuck Morton's been pitching really well. Ian Anderson, young guy, has been throwing well. Max Fried hasn't quite been himself, been a little banged up, but he's still a pretty good pitcher. We've seen him do it in the past. So, I mean, they're, they're going to be hanging around, and, you know, Freddie Freeman's going to have to pick it up sooner or later, and here he kind of has. He started in the All-Star game, and MVP last year. It's a matter of time till he puts that team on his back after all the stuff they're going through. I agree. I think all valid points. I think we did uh, hit a lot of things that we did want to get to tonight. So I think that is a wrap on the ninth episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we will be at the Mets game Friday the 23rd. Um, there'll be a bunch of us there. So come check it out. It'll be a good time against the Blue Jays. Uh, hopefully come see the Mets win against Vladdy and co. I know a friend of the program, infamous Al, will be there as well. He's having a meetup. So uh, definitely come check out the game. It should be a good one. Thank you for tuning in. I'll throw it to the men to let them uh, say their goodbyes. And if I uh, remember correct about that game, CJ, I think that's going to be the first game where they break out the black jerseys. Because didn't they say every uh, every game starting in July at home on Fridays is when they're breaking them out? If true, that's big. If true, that is big. <laughs> that's going to be an exciting on that, game. But that would be nuts. That would be nuts. Yeah, that'll be a good game against the uh, Blue Jays, too. I'm ready for the black jerseys. Break those out. We need a little bit more uh, mojo back in our offense. I just feel like something as simple as the black jerseys could really spark the team. But uh, it was good to talk Mets tonight. Looking forward to a good second half. And hopefully at the end of the second half, we'll be able to watch some October baseball. Let's fucking go, boys. I'm hyped. Big two and a half months coming up. Yes, sir, LFGM. Thank you for tuning in again, and let's fucking go Mets. LFGM. Let's go Mets.